0: welcome to on aeon a podcast featuring conversations between colleagues on well aeon this week we hear from rachel fellows and lucy Boothfield about well-being and now this week's host nicole Presperin hi i am nicole prespirin i've been a colleague at aeon for 11 years where i've worked in various roles across the commercial risk solutions group New Ventures Group, and the Reinsurance Solutions Group. I currently serve as the head of global growth strategies and planning for reinsurance solutions. I'm also very passionate about creating a more inclusive and diverse culture at Aon. i I'm a member of the Global Inclusive Leadership Council and co-executive sponsor for the Pride Business Resource Group, which makes me even more excited about today's topic of well-being, which has relevance to me, all of our colleagues, listeners, and clients. With me today to dive into this topic are Rachel Fellows and Lucy Bosfield, who are in the well-being space and also working mothers. Rachel joined Aeon in February of this year and serves as Aeon's chief well-being officer. Rachel works on Aeon's internal well-being strategy and also works closely with Aon's health solutions and human capital solutions to empower clients to build well-being programs. And Lucy has been with Aon since 2013 and currently serves as Aon's Head of Global Talent Acquisition. Lucy has a global pulse on the importance of well-being for employees and candidates, particularly amid changing workforce trends. Thanks for being here today, Rachel and Lucy. Before we get started, I'd like to ask you both a warm-up question. Tell me a little bit about your role in the firm. Rachel, let's start with you. Hi, Nicole. It's a pleasure to be
1: here. And Lucy, um, fantastic to to join you in this conversation. I mean, Nicole, you've hinted at it a little bit, but um, I wrote an article about the rise of the Chief Wellbeing Officer a couple of months ago, and it's one of the most read articles in the US at the moment in the HR space. And the reason being, like, what does it mean? (laughs) What are they up to? Why are more people becoming Chief Wellbeing Officers? And on the most part, you've actually touched on what it is about it's about thinking through how do we help our Aon colleagues or should I say families really consider their well-being through their Aon life maybe uniquely in the market I also have a second act or parts of my role as you've touched on but it's ultimately having exactly the same question but with our clients whether it be starting off from a benefits conversation or an employee value proposition perspective or even considering mental health as a risk now how do we start to think more maturely about well-being, um, and hopefully collectively change the world in a positive way without sounding too
0: esoteric? <laughs> That's great, Rachel. Thank you so much. And Lucy, how about you? What can you tell our listeners about your role at Aon?
2: Thanks, Nicole. Um, you know, and I'm also, you know, really pleased to be in this discussion today because in in my role as the head of global talent acquisition. What we're seeing is a market that um, is completely different than we've seen in a number of years around the pressure on talent. Um, And what we're also seeing is the drivers for future talent to join organizations or even current colleagues is that wellbeing is now becoming one of those real key candidate drivers. Um, Compensation always used to be right up there and it will always continue to be so, Um, but the importance of how you support both um, your current colleagues and and people you're looking to bring on board um, needs to be part of any talent acquisition strategy. Um, So it's absolutely front and center for me um, as I am in this role.
0: Thanks, Lucy. It's exciting to hear how Aon is thinking about well-being as mental health as well, because I know how important that's become, especially during the pandemic. So let's jump right in. First question: Well-being can be a very broad topic. How do you define well-being, Rachel? Let's start with you.
1: I know this is a pod. This is a podcast, but you can probably see that um, I've got a massive smile on my face because I've done many. Uh, conversations or had many conversations over the first five months at Aon and and usually the the question goes whether it be in the client space or internally can everyone please stand up and please stay standing if you can confidently articulate what well-being means and with that 90% of the room sit down so it's a sentiment that we are really kind of thoughtful and what does it mean now and maybe I had a definition in the back of my head but I don't know if that's still relevant So historically, well-being has sort of been thinking around the balance between life satisfaction, how satisfied am I nowadays with what's going on for me, and balancing that with happiness, the sort of daily life experiences that give me a positive feeling or an oxytocin fix, as we're now becoming more familiar with. But then the pandemic happened, then global warming as a kind of genuine mental mental ill-being crisis that has started to happen and, and very many different layers, individually, organizationally, and globally, started to affect us. And we started to use language around well-being such as resilience. How do I bounce back from things at all? Really targeting my own sense of happiness and satisfaction. And maybe we're, as Lucy hinted at, before we're at a slightly different turning point now where we're all slowly recalibrating what we want our life to look like and well-being is part of that life design and how we think about sustaining our career our relationships with ourselves as well as with other people for the next however many years we've got left and so I think it's refined it's defined and evolved over the last few years in particular. And I know in our impact report, we very clearly say it's about whole performance now. So in the workplace, we're thinking about all these dynamics very much as part and parcel of a performance conversation.
0: And Lucy, what are your thoughts on this? How are colleagues and candidates thinking about well-being?
2: Well, I think Rachel also sort of started to go there with this turning point. Um, and I mentioned it, I think, in my introduction. So wellbeing is now so important, both for colleagues and candidates. And the strength of your wellbeing strategy can really de- deliver that message um, out to candidates and colleagues. And if you don't get this right, it can be a trigger to losing you know, that key person on your team or sending them in the direction of a competitor. So with the challenges in the marketplace, the great resignation, there's even more pressure, as I've already said, around your position and really being thoughtful about how you support your colleagues um, and that future talent. Um, you know, I mentioned it. Compensation continues to be, you know, a key feature. However, the last few years, um, the candidate drivers that we're seeing are around culture, flexibility, benefits. These are the questions that we are being asked when we talk to candidates in the marketplace about Aon, and how does that translate to somebody coming to join us as a firm? So these are really key items when candidates are looking for jobs, but also when our current colleagues are thinking about staying within an organisation or staying within Aon. Um, so. To be effective, what we've seen is, you know, you need to be happy. You need to be engaged in your role. Um, And that's what candidates and, you know, colleagues are really looking for. So it's really critical that what we're finding is to make your approach of well-being, being part of your colleague experience and your brand, really making it personal to understand for someone wanting to join us or stay with us, what does it feel? What is it? What does it look like? What's that experience for somebody being here at Aon? Um, And what we found over the last few years, you know, due to COVID and the pandemic, is that burnout has also become more prevalent. Um, And it isn't a new concept. You know, it's been around. But what we're finding is that more people are talking about this. More organizations are talking about this. You know, candidates, colleagues are talking about this. So for companies, there's a huge cost. um, And that, you know, comes across through, productivity, disengagement, you know, um, attrition, but also for individuals. And we're starting to see more, you know, words around, you know, topics around mental health um, and prolonged stress. So uh, an employee's response to burnout needs to be proactive. And that's what some of our candidates and colleagues are are looking for when they start to engage with a firm or stay with a firm and as we think about well-being one of the other things we need to think about is that inclusion so um, if you think about if you want to be happy and you want to be engaged you need to feel included Um, you need to be able to be your authentic self so you'll be more happier You'll, you'll feel that sense of well-being and belonging to that firm and then you feel more engaged and that is what we're finding today that our candidates and colleagues are looking for.
0: If we think about individuals, what can they do to prioritise their well-being at work, both for themselves and others? And Lucy, if we can start with you.
2: Thanks, Nicole. Um, and you mentioned at work, and and when we think about this now, um, again, given the the last few years, um, that distinction between work and life those lines are really blurred um, because it's all becoming everything. Um, So, you know, there was a clear divide between life and work. You naturally created some boundaries through commuting. Um, So, you would shut down your laptop, you would leave your computer at work back a few years ago when we didn't have the laptops. Um, But today, and even more so during the last few years, it's become so easy to not create those boundaries. Um, So, you really need to be intentional around your actions. Um, And I think we started to really start to move into that way of thinking. Um, And you really need to prioritize well-being at work as you'll be more happier, you'll be more engaged and you'll be more productive productive Um, and for many of us moving into this agile working environment um, whatever that may look like for you um, it's so key to make sure that we're making time for ourselves um, and our families and 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 what drives us Um, and if it's something else if it's through exercise whatever, reading a book, it is so key to make sure you make that time. Um, And this can mean, as I said, several different things for each of us because we're all so different. And for me, it's about my family and it's about exercise. That's my mechanism to release that stress um, and to feel more um, balanced in myself, going out for a run, jumping on a bike. um, You're able to just completely Forget about the world and have that time to yourself. Um, You know, at Aon, we have several sort of initiatives and programs, um, but I just want to call out a few that I find more impactful for myself. Um, So recently, we, earlier this year, we introduced something around giving our values award. Um, And this is around gratitude um, and recognition, because we know as an individual, if you feel valued, you're going to feel happier. Um, and this is an opportunity for us to recognize outstanding colleagues who've shaped decisions for the better by living our A on United values. So thinking across the organization in every way and in an every day and going above and beyond. And, and the great thing about this is, you know, after a 12-month period, those top 100 are then invited to a really prestigious event, but it's all about relaxation and inspiration. Um, And you get to take somebody with you as well. And hopefully it's to a warm destination. Um, But you know, and there's other things that we do around Aeon Stars. You know, those are small things like happy anniversary, happy birthday, just saying thank you. Um, I just, you know, the impact that you can have from a small message um, for, for someone in your team or for someone that you've worked with is huge. Um, another thing, and I have to link it back to exercise because that's one of my key drivers, is around global walks. So through May and June, we have been running these throughout, you know, throughout the globe. And it's a way for colleagues to connect across the world and talk about wellbeing topics, but be active you're making a conscious decision to step away from your desk and walk um so and take in that fresh air um and then finally the global wellbeing days we introduced these during the pandemic um and these were one or two days taken throughout the year um and they were global holidays um, and the piece I want to emphasize is they weren't just holidays. They were days when the entire organization shut down. So, that feeling of that night before when you were logging onto your emails, you didn't have that fear because everybody was off. Um, so, you could come back in that next day and your inbox would look slightly less cluttered. Um, you know, so it was an able, it was an opportunity for all of us to switch off and we've continued to do that. Um, we've got one coming up in September, which I know as a firm, we'll all be looking forward to.
0: I know I always look forward to them specifically because I love that nobody bothers me on that day. So it's really great. And Rachel, do you have anything that you wanted to add based on your work internally and externally with clients?
1: I mean, I think Lucy's done an amazing job describing that. And it also sounds like she's living the walk, you know, walking and talking for this podcast as we're going. So it's absolutely perfect segue into a couple of reflections. The first of which is the concept of seasonality. So we all taught before this call, there's a couple of us that might be going into a new school or nursery era. Uh, Maybe there's someone else starting in your ecosystem a new job or or something else. But things change and things are constantly evolving. And with that, we often forget to evolve our boundaries. So how we chose to set boundaries over the summer period versus how we might now set it with the Labor Day or the new school terms sort of identity coming into play. You know, Many of us might be going, right, let's just get our heads down and push on through to the end of the year. Is that the right sort of sentiment to be having for ourselves? So, I'm really interested in how we are creating these ebbs and flows. If you could see me, my hands are kind of going up and down like a cycle, but we can't be always on at the same pace for a whole year. And with that, also, we can think about, again, the manager and the leadership role within that. So, if I'm not okay now how is everyone else feeling and starting to actually just open up the dialogue for everybody else and again each term doesn't have to be the school term but each sort of season or each turn how are we now meeting our own needs to get through to the end of the year in a really positive maybe even energized way and what would we need to collectively do to get there
0: I love that idea about opening the dialogue and checking in because I think we're all so focused on work that we forget to share our own experiences and maybe some of the, I don't want to say mental health challenges, but just the things that we're going through in our personal lives. Something for me to think about as a manager as well. And as we think more about employers broadly, what can we be doing to help shift the mindset around well-being from the top down? Lucy, what are your thoughts on that?
2: So I think it's absolutely key that um, this starts at the top of the organization and they need to be involved and help cascade down the organization. Um, They will be absolutely instrumental in that shift in mindset. Um, And that's where. We in Aon, I think, have started to see that change um, from it really coming down from the top down and then cascading, because you can see as you go down the organization, more people getting that buy-in and really understanding um, the impact of well-being and how important it is. So we need to think beyond just pay um, and the entire package. We, we talked about this earlier, but again, to highlight culture, well-being programs initiatives benefits flexibility are all equally important and um, for for more for some more than others but these still are becoming more important for us so we we need to think beyond that um, and they need to be part of your messaging they need to be part of your sort of brand or your proposition um because if we aren't clear in our sort of approach around our brand then there's a disconnect around what we're doing around well-being. Or what, what do our benefits look like? Um, and then what we'll see from then is the impact around attrition within within your organizations. So one area which employees want to know about is flexibility of working. Um, we've seen that a lot through some of the analysis that we've done within the marketplace. Um, so here at Aon, we refer it to smart working. Um, and our approach is based on kind of the four Cs. So client coaching, collaboration, and celebrating. And this allows us to find that balance without saying to somebody, you must do this or that. It's up to you to create that balance and work with your manager over that, Um, but do it in an inclusive way. And I think that's absolutely key to this. Um, It's also around creating and delivering on your sort of diversity or inclusion commitments, um, employees are really looking at companies around how do their values align with their own. So you need to be thoughtful about your commitments, be intentional with some of your actions that will help support your company's goals and commitments. For example, are you using things around inclusive language so that it's really sort of showing the personality or the feel of your company? Are you looking at things around diverse interview panels to show the diversity of your organization? These are just some of the things that you can do around that commitment um, to inclusion and also embrace things like career paths or reskilling and upskilling. We're really seeing, you know, the impact of returnship programs where we're bringing back talent into the marketplace. This is really, really impactful, but you need to make sure that you're giving the right level of support around this. And there needs to be that sort of mindset within the organization to support those colleagues coming back into the firm. And what's brilliant is that,
1: you know, there isn't an internal and an external strategy going on here. They're very much part and parcel of the same thing. And there's a couple of things I want to, to touch on within that. One is the definition of well-being. So, Historically, we've talked about individual well-being, as we've touched on now, and and the organisational side. And now we're beginning to think about, and we will add in two additional components in light of everything we've talked to, the team, what does team well-being mean, and leadership, what does leadership well-being mean, almost as the slightly more granular conduits to enable us to get from one side of that equation to the other. And that's really important because you can even see how that suddenly sparks different ideas into our, into our minds as to where the territory might go. Does it then integrate into learning and development? Does it integrate into the way we think about future leaders, future work, all of those great points? The second thing is then akin to what Lucy was t- touching on in terms of the Global Wellbeing Day. As a business and as other businesses, how do we create a global standard that we're comfortable with? So everyone from an inclusivity, regardless of where they live, regardless of their demographic or whatever other diversity metric we might want to add into that mix, has a common experience with us based on our core well-being principles. So we're going through an exercise of reviewing our employee assistance program and coming up with one global provider by way of example to ensure that we get that commonality of experience for individuals. And that's a huge piece in terms of lifting up to a foundation of acceptability on this agenda. The second element where that, sorry, the third, if I could count, that would be great. (laughs) The third element that I'm then thinking about or we're thinking about is, so we've got the foundation in place, but how do we make the great stuff we're doing already, more relevant to a Lucy, to a Nicole, to a someone. So, often the tendency for us and also for our clients is to create a calendar of events. But what happens if my grief doesn't hit the moment that the grief workshop is going on? And so, as a result, we're thinking about better understanding the human experience, orienting all of our resources, webinars, you know, thoughtful um, campaigns that we're offering, and ensuring that if we're having a moment around our mental, emotional, career, or even life event moment, that we can then specifically get to where we need even easier. And then from that, you know, Lucy and I and others are going to be maturing the how do we further into the arena of attract, retain, sustain ourselves in our Aon careers.
0: That's really great. And what I've seen Aon do really well is this tone at the top in terms of creating the global IND council and the regional councils to make sure this message is cascaded to everyone. How are you thinking about ensuring that this goes all the way down to the individual line managers? who might not be hearing it on a day-to-day basis, but who are critical to creating the sustainable environment and tailoring their approach to each of the individuals. Well, I think there's a couple of things. Um,
1: Let's just take a step back and think about the chief diversity officer role. You know, most organizations adopted that role three to four years ago, and some organizations no longer have them with the premise being that we are all chief diversity officers, all campaigning. And whether we put the hypothesis out there that the same thing should happen to my role, it's a really interesting one to think through. And that's probably where, Nicole, you're thinking about, you know, ultimately, how do we get everybody to be a chief well-being officer in the Aeon system? And with that, there'll be some practical things like how do we message, how do we integrate it into learning development? How do we ensure that especially if someone is new to role, we're best supporting that? And we're definitely planning all of that through. And I was sort of in response to your question, just because we want us to collectively own this agenda.
0: Thank you so much, Rachel and Lucy. This was really interesting for me personally, and I'm sure for all of our listeners Before we sign off, I'd love to ask you another question to give our listeners a little bit more information about you. Rachel, for you, what's the last book that you read? And why was it impactful for you?
1: (laughs) Thank you, Nicole. Well, I'm at the life stage with a two-year-old where it's an achievement to read a book. So (laughs) I'm glad I got this question. Um, I, I think... If you hear the title of this book, you may have heard it before because it seems to be one of those ones that everybody is recommending to everybody at the moment. But I'm going to go for it anyway. And it's called Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And it's all about not living a should. And really, especially when you're starting to think about how we design our lives and making them more sustainable to enable us to be well, going inside ourselves to figure out what our boundaries need to be. So I'm, I'm loving that book, even if it is slightly paced with a two-year-old in the background.
0: I'll have to check it out. I've been trying to release shoulds as well this year. And what, Lucy, what about you? What's your favorite thing to do when not working?
2: So, Nicole, I'm going to cheat here, and I'm going to do two things. So I hope this is okay. Um, so my first thing, and it, it's, it's linked to a two-year-old, Rachel, um, but I've got a five-year-old, or a recent five-year-old. She's just had her birthday birthday as well as having two other older children, 12 and 10. But I think it's when I spend time with the five-year-old and you've been at your laptop all day and you come in and you have a conversation with her and the world is so simple, Um, you know, and it just allows you to take that step back Um, because in her eyes, everything is just simple. I just need a snack. I need some water. Um, can you read this book with me? So I think that's one of the things that it really brings me down and grounds me. Um, and then the second thing is, um, and I hinted at it earlier, um, it's the exercise. So I do a lot of running. I do a lot of biking. Um, you know, recently have been on holiday and it's coming down a hill, you're on your bike and it's going fast and you can just feel that air. And nothing else matters. So I think it's those two combinations that just bring you back down and go, just appreciate what you've got here because life is simple. This has been a conversation on Aon and well being.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this week's episode, tune in in two weeks for a new episode around cybersecurity. To learn more about Aon, its colleagues, solutions, and news, check out our show notes and visit our website at aon.com.